Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Now this week, I'm again talking with Sinead Leahy, the Principal Agricultural Science Advisor at the New Zealand Agricultural Greenhouse Gas Research Centre. This is the second part to our interview and an extension from last week. Let's check in with her now. Hello Sinead, thank you for joining me on the show again. Oh, it's great to be back uh, again, uh, Angus, chatting with you. Last week we talked about why farmers need to start thinking about the greenhouse gas emissions from their livestock and crops. This week I'd like to explore where the science is taking us. Before we get into that, is there anything that farmers can do right now? Yeah, so I think we've now got very clear signals that, you know, agricultural emissions are going to be a, going to be priced, you know, come 2025. So right now there's no real urgency, but what farmers can start in terms of what they should be doing on their farm, but what they should be doing is really starting to get an awareness around, you know, why are people talking about greenhouse gases? You know, what are the sources of sinks? on my farm system and you know start to know your number so how much greenhouse gases am i actually producing on my farm right now with the current practices that i implement there are a number of sort of carbon calculators that are now out there they sort of range from the simple to to the more complex and depending on the question you want to ask you can sort of select one of those carbon calculators take a look at what your number um, is and then benchmark it to sort of other um, what other farms or businesses that are similar to you are are producing in terms of their greenhouse gas um, um, profile so really when it comes to right now I think it's around getting your awareness up on what this whole issue is around GHGs where your sources and sinks on your farms and you know, get your number, get a carbon calculator, um, and get an idea of how much you're you're producing right now. Okay. And what options might be available in the next few years? Yes, yeah, so it's um, this that that question is 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 interesting. I I'm really fortunate that um, through my work at the centre, I get the opportunity to do um, some rural professional workshops on agricultural greenhouse gas emissions, and it's the running joke that uh, we get to the point where we talk about the options, and everybody mm-hmm. thinks we're we're really on time. But what happens is I, I spend for the next hour talking about the various different options that might be hmm. might be available so i'll only hmm. talk about um two ingots but if there's ones that are a real interest please you can you can feel free to ask me about sure. so so the ones that are coming out i think you know that are closest to 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 getting to to out and farm through through the sciences is around animal breeding and hmm. so we know that um we can breed for a low methane emissions animal. A lot of the work was done here actually in New Zealand uh, in, in sheep. It was started you know, back in the late 1990s and researchers went out and they measured thousands of sheep. And basically what they found was that there were some sheep that produced higher amounts of um, methane and there were some sheep that produced lower amounts of methane and the sort of the difference between the very highs and the very lows was about um, 20%. So um, what researchers did is they took some of those those lines of sheep and they just went down the traditional animal breeding um, route. And so what they've 
spread now are two, you know, a high emitting flock and a low emitting flock. And there's about mm. 10% um, difference between those two flocks in terms of the, the amount of methane they've produced. They've also gone in and actually learned quite a lot around, well, why is it a high methane emitting sheep and why is it a low emitting sheep? And they've, they've found that it's related to the rumen size. It's also related to um, the microbial composition in those, um, in those rumens. They tend to act slightly different. And they've also gone out and said, well, is there any adverse effects to these low methane emitting um, animals? And so far they've found um, no issues in relation to, to productivity. So that's got to a stage in the science where now scientists are working with industry. So working with entities like beef and lamb genetics to really incorporate that low emissions um, trait into the national um, selection index for mm-hmm for sheep across um, New New Zealand. And right now, um, industry and and researchers are working with a select number of ram breeders who are looking to incorporate um, and that trait. And it's likely that within the next one to two years that that trait will be available to to all farmers um, um, across New Zealand. And then it will be up to farmers whether that type of genetics is something they want to incorporate into their their animals but certainly you know um in relation to sheep it's really moved on getting much close as as close as you can get to 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 the farm um gate in terms of animal breeding for cattle one of the reasons uh, researchers started with sheep was really around the difficulties in how you measure methane with sheep it's often done in these little um, chambers um, and we only have 24 of them in, in New Zealand back when the sort of sheep um, sort of selection line um, um, began. Since then there's been newer technologies um, that allow you to measure uh, methane of, of, of much bigger animals and also out on, on the paddock, green feed systems and so that's allowed us to sort of start an animal breeding um, program when it comes to to cattle but researchers feel that everything that they've learned in the sheep so acknowledging that a sheep is not a little cow but they feel that a lot of the information that they've learned through that sheep breeding program can be translated to a cattle breeding program and so there's now research just started with industry LIC and CRV mm. Inbraid to sort of look at the bulls that will be used to sire the majority of New Zealand's dairy herd in the future and so looking to see um, if the same results hold through in, in cattle. So some really good work with, with animal breeding. But as always with animal breeding, it's it's a slow process mm-hmm. and it takes time to acquire um, um, impact. But it's certainly a technology that's um, heading towards um, the farm gate. That's pretty, that's pretty exciting, I have to say. Yeah, and- no, that's, and, and that's what I think one of the, the Climate Change Commission report, um, you know, did mention that in its low emissions um, pathway that it proposed that incorporation of this sort of low emissions methane trait um, may be something that um, may be part of New Zealand's uh, future. Mm. And what about deep into the future? And when I mean uh, deep, things like vaccines, for example. Yeah, so 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 what a vaccine um, um, does, you know, I'll tell you, I'll give you the latest of, of where 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 the research is up in terms of a vaccine. So as I said, you know, in our last podcast, we we, we talked about how we know that um, uh, these methane forming microbes are present in every ruminant across, across the globe. And what a vaccine does is 
It basically targets those methane-forming microbes specifically and sort of impacts their ability to, to produce um, methane. So you stimulate the immune system in the mouth of the animal and basically that immune system then washes into the rumen stomach through saliva and then the immune system, you're hoping that the immune system is able to identify those methane forming microbes and then, as I said, impact them or stop them from producing methane. So where researchers mm. have got to, it's probably one of the, it's it's one of the, the most, I guess, wanted type of mitigation technology mm. um, because it's so, you know, farmers are used to it on farm. It's something that's, you know, in a sense, standard agricultural practice. Mm. Consumers are reasonably comfortable um, because it's already used on farm, that type of approach. But the difficulty with it is it's probably one of the more complicated approaches um, to actually figure from a scientific perspective. But where scientists have got to is they've um, showed that it can potentially work. It works in a test tube. It works in little bottles or an in vitro system that sort of replicates a living animal. But then when they moved to um, sort of a live animal, they're not getting, they're not seeing any reduction in mm. methane. But what they have done through an assessment of, 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 of the science is they've not found any reason why it shouldn't work. And so mm. they're really sort of painstakingly going through all of the various different reasons why it's not working to see if they can um, get it um, um, to work. But certainly, I think if you could get a vaccine to, to work, that would be a, a fantastic mitigation approach, I think, for the agricultural sector. Mm. It sounds like uh, there's great work going on there and quite promising. Yeah, that, that vaccine program is, is really... Um, will really be um, something I think that you'd be looking for the 2050 target rather yeah. than a 20, 2030 target. Even if, for instance, a, you know, a scientist somewhere in New Zealand said, woohoo, we've got it. We've had our mm. moment when it comes to a vaccine. It would still take for it to move through the regulatory process, all of the various different uh, experiments that would need to be able to do to make sure it doesn't adversely affect productivity, etc. Yeah. You know, you're talking over over a decade of of research to to get it there. So it really is um, something for for the 20, 2050 target. I probably could just mention probably one more that's probably much closer to market, and that's around methane inhibitors, Angus. Mm. Um, because and so what a methane inhibitor is is really. It's sort of a chemical compound or a feed additive that you would give to an animal. And that compound would then, again, directly target those methane-forming microbes and somehow stop them from producing methane or impact their ability to produce methane. And there's a very promising uh, methane inhibitor, which is quite a lot of research behind it. It's known as 3-NOP. And what they've shown is, and it was developed under a TMR system, so a total mixed ration system so think sort of in shed feeding think like the american or the canadian type um, agricultural systems and if it's fed in every mouthful of feed we know that um, based on their studies that you can get a 30 percent reduction in the amount of methane produced per per animal so that's mm. a significant um, um reduction um, and it's likely that that uh, form of um, 3nop is likely to be it's currently under registration in Europe and it's likely to be available there within the next um, one to two years, according to um, um, the literature that, that you 
you see. So that mm. that's a, that's a huge. So that's sort of the first methane inhibitor um, off the rank, and there are others coming coming behind it. Uh, one of the issues, of course, with 3NOP, and it's going to be, I think, marketed under a Bovair um, product name, is that it's a very short-lived compound, which is great, of course, because it's unlikely to give you residues. But from a pastoral grazing system, um, it means it only lasts for about, once taken in feed, it only lasts for about one to two hours. Mm. And so that means it's currently, in its current formulation, it's not really suitable for the majority of um, New Zealand um, um, systems. So there is work going on to develop sort of um, slow release type mm. technologies that may make it more applicable to something, for instance, the dairy industry here in New Zealand, where they might be milking their animals twice a day and have the potential to feed such a compound during those um time periods and there's also some promising work around whether you could actually deliver it early in life for the first 14 weeks of life and then it actually maintains um uh, it creates a sort of low emissions animal through that intervention so a lot of um research around methane inhibitors um as well and as mm. i said the first methane inhibitor likely to be made available globally in the next in the next two to three years or so that's really interesting Sinead do you think farmers have already progressed in their practices since, say, the early 1990s, either anecdotally or with evidence? Um, yeah, no, I think when it comes to greenhouse gas um, emissions, I think we've actually very good evidence um, in showing um, what farmers have done in terms of their on-farm practices and what that has met, meant for greenhouse gases in, in New Zealand. And it goes back to, I suppose, when New Zealand sort of joined those international agreements like the Kyoto Agreement back in the, the 1990s. One of the things it meant is that we actually had had to start accounting for our greenhouse gas um, emissions. And New Zealand actually has a very, um, or it has evolved over the, the last few decades to have a very good accounting system for greenhouse gases at the national um, level. But what we've been able to show that... Um, in terms of our agricultural emissions, we have increased them since 1990, about 70% since 1990. But what we do know is that, of course, farmers have got more efficient uh, with how they uh, how how they farm. We're not farming the same as we did back in the in the 1990s. And some of the changes that were made and. These were made never in relation to climate change or environmental. They were really made because it made good sense. It made good sense to the bottom bottom line. But what we've been able to show by accounting for our greenhouse gas emissions that if farmers hadn't become as efficient as they are now, New Zealand's greenhouse gas emissions could be 40% above 1990 levels uh, rather than the 17% that we see um, mm. um, currently. But what it also tells us, and we sort of talked about this this last week, is that New Zealand farmers, we are one of the most efficient agricultural nations in, in, in the world. But how much more efficient can, can we get? And if we want to make significant decreases in our agricultural emissions, then like I said in our last podcast, we will need new technologies or we'll need to see land use change um, that we've not seen um, um, before. So you've just mentioned that we now have a much better handle on emissions, but what about total on-farm sequestration? And we touched a bit on this last week, but mm. are there, have there been any advancements on having an understanding of total on-farm sequestration? Because in my view, this is as important as understanding emissions. Yeah, I think um, 
there's a lot of work going on currently with um, the Hewaka Ekonoa um, um, partnership, which are really going to be looking at on-farm sequestration. We talked last week around soil carbon and the complexities around soil carbon and the question that's that's consistently asked, which, you know, are we losing or gaining soil carbon in terms of um, um, in, in New Zealand based on our agricultural um, practices? And there is work going on to sort of understand um particularly soil carbon. We have a national monitoring program has been set up, which has been fantastic. That's um, been, um, it's funded through the NZADRC where I work um, and been deployed by the Manaki Fenua and the University of Waikato. And essentially what they're doing, and it started back in 2019 and it'll go out to 2030. And it'll look at uh, 500 sites across New Zealand across the various different soils that we have in New Zealand and the farm systems that we have in New Zealand and they'll be looking to measure soil carbon across those various different um, um, locations to sort of address that question around what's happening in relation to soil carbon. In terms of total on-farm sequestration, mm. as I said, Hewaka Ekonoa, they have a stream that's really looking at, you know, the other forms of, of on-farm sequestration, say outside of, of, of trees, but riparian strips and, and etc. Mm. And, and making sure that uh, are having a look at those types of sequestration um, um, approaches and whether they can be um, incorporated into into accounting, etc. We have talked a little bit about, we've touched on land use change. Um, mm. I believe we are at a critical stage in land use change and in particular exotic trees and indeed carbon farming. I believe in the right tree in the right place and not on good productive country that is well suited to livestock. I also have concerns around negative social implications to our rural communities with this land use change. Do you have any thoughts on this or foresee any issues? Oh, that's a really tough question, um, Ingus. The, fr- the first thing I would sort of say when it comes to, to, f- to forestry is I'm no expert, but I have had the, I've been lucky that I've been able to listen to a lot of um, experts talk about this 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 whole um, issue and and my synapses it it's it's very complex, um, but I guess you know at the higher level if we talk about trees and, and climate change, you know we are not going to be able to plant our way out of of climate change. Trees will be an important um, approach that we can use to help give us time um, to get our emissions down, but. You know, once you plant a tree, you know that's that's its it, that's its carb that's that's its carbon. If we can't plant, you know, every part of New Zealand with with trees, it, it's not it's it, it's a tool that will be able to help us. But um, it's certainly we cannot we cannot use it to um, um, yeah we can't plant our way out of, yeah. of climate change. I guess is is mm-hmm. is this is a simple answer yeah. to that. And I guess the extension of that, allowing an emitter to purchase land for carbon farming or indeed purchase purchase carbon credits, like let's say an airline or an oil company, this to me suggests they're not actually making changes to their emissions or their practices. Rather, they are essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. 
Um, I guess that goes back to that uh, report that the parliamentary commissioner uh, put out back in 2019, where he really talked about, you know, really opened up this discussion around, well, should agricultural land only be used to offset agricultural emissions? You know, really interesting um, um, point point of view. Um, again, I guess you go back to, you know, the climate doesn't care where the, the emissions reductions happen. Mm-hmm. We just are where we, you know, um, we just need to, 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 to make it um, happen. So I, I guess I don't really have an answer um, to, to, to that question. I think there's various routes that we can, that we can get to a low emissions future. Um, and that's, I guess, what that Climate Change Commission uh, report put forward was, you know, one route for us to move to a low emissions um, um, future. And then it's up to New Zealand to decide what they think is acceptable um, in terms of that uh, route. But at the end of the day, the, the climate doesn't matter where the emissions reductions happen. It just has to um happen if to win our climate targets um i believe our farmers are new zealand's most important asset we're a trading export nation do you have a view on the importance of farming to new zealand um well i i think i'm going to be biased angus because as i said i grew up uh, beside my granddad's farm so you know i'm going to have a biased view of the agricultural sector it's you know i've had a wonderful um childhood most of my after school was on my um, granddad's um, um, farm. So, you know, but if we look to the evidence, you know, um, or the data, you know, uh, agriculture is a big money earner for New Zealand. And the the market, um, you know, future of the market suggests that there's going to be no um, let up in the demand for the products that we produce. So, um, agriculture is going to continue to be an important part of New Zealand's um, future, particularly from an economy point of view, but also the social structure of the rural community um, as well. Agriculture plays a huge role um, in, in that and a wonderful lifestyle for many people to, to, grow, to grow up in. So, you know, absolutely farming is a, is a really important asset to, to New Zealand, but equally so are other um, um, sectors as well make a huge contribution um, to, to New Zealand. And I guess what it means going forward for climate change is that you can't really pit sector against sector. And um, we all have to sort of uh, get in the boat together, I suppose, and, um, mm. um, and, 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 and row to the, to the location I think that we all want to go to, which is um, a future for a good future for us and for our children and our children's children. Mm. Mm. How do we compare to other big agricultural countries in terms of our emissions and efficiencies? Yeah, so as I as I said, I think throughout the 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 two the two podcasts we've um, um, been chatting um, through Angus, you know, N- New Zealand. Um, I think there's good evidence to to support New Zealand as being sort of in the top five of dairy producers worldwide. Um, and we're probably one of the top, we probably are the top producer in terms of lamb, you know, worldwide. Our, we have, um, we, are, we are one of the top agricultural nations and our ability to, to produce, uh, you know, a low emissions product 
um, is 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 well is well is well known. So, in comparison, uh, yeah, as I said, we're 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 up there in the in the top. I don't know if we can say we're number one for 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 dairy. My Irish colleagues often. You're gonna um, say Ireland, eh? <laughs> yeah, they'll. I'm pretty sure if you asked an Ireland person, they'd say they're number one. So, but I think what we can say safely is that we're we're definitely in the top five when it comes to to dairy. Mm. Fantastic. Now. Um... I'll let you get on. I know you're busy, but I really do appreciate your time and thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Angus. It's wonderful. What can farmers do right now? Well, awareness and understanding their greenhouse gas number through their current practices, understanding the sources and sinks. This can be done quite easily through the various calculators on offer. Beef and lamb have a good one, as do Dairy and Z. There were many interesting things Sinead mentioned in this episode, and one that excited me and really because of how close it is to market, is that scientists have now, through significant research and animal breeding, have bred a low-emitting flock of sheep that is producing significantly less methane. In fact, between two flocks that scientists have bred, as Sinead mentioned, one flock being a high-emitting sheep and the second a low-emitting sheep, the difference in methane produced is 10% between the two. The science community is now working with industry to incorporate these low emitting traits into the general flock in New Zealand. This low emitting trait will be available through rams in the next couple of years. Scientists are also working on similar research for cattle and much of the work that has been achieved in sheep can be translated directly into cattle. Agriculture in this country is continuing to improve and continuing to be an industry New Zealand can be proud of. Market appetite will continue to demand more from food producing nations in terms of sustainability practices. Well, farmers in this country are leading the way and answering those calls. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factor Magri.